0: Amen. How many are happy to be in church today? Make some noise. Woo! Come on, somebody. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Uh, You have overtaken now the first service. Give yourself a hand clap, second service. You have overtaken them. We'll see if that trend continues. We had some people out of town on a Royal Ranger camping trip and some sicky poos from the first. But uh, this is an amazing, amazing time to be a part of our church. It's a growing church. We have now the empty seats for you to bring your friends and to grow it. Uh, before, we are getting really packed in one and not in the other. And so we made two easy and convenient services. And we were kind of having a little fun competition to see who would overtake who. But you guys only got it for today, okay? So that means next week you've got to hold it down. Uh, We're in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians, an awesome book of the Bible. Started this right after the uh, the first of the year. We're going to probably do this all for 2017. So those who are new to the church, start reading the book of Ephesians and you'll catch up with us. Our app is on uh, iTunes and Google and all of that. And you can follow along there with our notes or also at the website. Today's message is God's plan. Can somebody say God's plan? God's plan. Thank you. He is definitely the man with the plan. So let's get to our passage. We've been reading it. It's kind of a mini-series in the series, taking on the book of Ephesians in chunks. So we took on the first two verses. Now we're in this next section, 3 through 14 of chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. How many are happy today God's grace and love is free? You guys happy about that? Amen. Verse 7, in him. There we get the sermon series. always like to remind you of that. The in him sermon series. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triangle. We are in him because we are in Jesus. We are in God because we are you are in the Son. Verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will. That's a key concept about the book of Ephesians. Paul is telling us here in the New Testament that he's revealing nuggies, hidden nuggets like gold that have been dug up. In the Old Testament, they didn't know these things. They didn't know how sacrifice was all going to play out. They didn't know how the Gentiles, the non-Jews, were going to come into the kingdom. They didn't understand how judgment day would play out, heaven and hell. They were serving God by faith, and in somewhat, they were blinded by their circumstances to only see what was before them. When Jesus came into the flesh, he was the revelation, the self-revealing of the Father's heart and the Father's plan. Think of it like this now in the New Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed in types and shadows. They kill a lamb. Jesus becomes the Lamb of God. They have a temple. Christians become the temple of God. Are you with me? So it's concealed in the Old Testament in types and shadows. What is the New Testament? Jesus revealed in an intimate relationship with us. Hence the series and the and the, the phrase we keep hearing in this book, in Him. You are in Him. You are in the one He loves because God... God is no longer out there. God is in here. You're no longer going to a temple. You are the temple. You're no longer looking for forgiveness at the cross. You have forgiveness covered in his blood. Amen? We're going to get into that today, so that's key that you know that the mystery of his will has been fulfilled, and it's been revealed to us according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Just listen to that right there. Will, pleasure, and purpose. It's all about God. This whole entire universe, the heavens and the earth and everything in between, it's going his way according to plan. God is not up there fretting, going, oh my gosh, Trump got in, ISIS is over here, what do I do now? And it's okay if you voted for Trump. But are you listening to? He's not saying, like, what's the world coming to? He knows the entire thing. He even knew you would be here before you knew you would be here today because some of you were hitting snooze. Come on. And he knew the ones that are still sitting at home, we're going to sit at home. But you're going to you'll learn today you're still responsible for your decisions. But it is going to ultimately work out for his good pleasure according to his will and his purpose. Can I get an amen? He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring you to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Those verses, 3 through 10, are the foundation for today's message. Today's message is verse 11. Let's read it together. One, two, three. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. What do you see there? You see the word will again. You see the word plan. You see the word Purpose, you see the word predestined, you see the word everything in conformity, and then yourself personally being chosen in Him. These are amazing concepts. That's why we're going verse by verse by verse. There is no way you can tell me you've read this one time, two times, three times, ten times, and you understand it. At the end of this year, you will say, I got a better understanding than I did before, but I am still comprehending the fullness of it. Are you with me? I shouldn't say that you can't understand it. You can comprehend the bits and the pieces and add to it, but there's no way you can say you fully understand it. You know why? Because I've already been there. I've been serving God 20 years. I've preached from this book for many, many years. And literally every time I am studying this, I am getting heavy revies from heaven. I'm getting fresh revelation. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so good. Because God wants us to grow in our knowledge of him. Verse 12, he's doing all of this, the plan, the purpose, the predestination, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when did you come into Jesus, when you got religious or when you got born again? When you got born again, that's when you came in. When you believed the message of salvation, the gospel of truth here. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So this is going to end well for the believer. There's 14 things in these verses, 3 through 14, that Paul teaches us here. These are the things that we've been learning in the mini-series of In Him. We've already gone through eight of them. So you're over halfway through this passage. How many have learned some good things through this passage? Amen. Today we're talking about God's plan. You're going to learn God's plan for your life, the universe, for the devil, the angels, everybody in between. You're going to learn to plan for everything. I'm telling you the truth. And like I said, you may not be able to fully comprehend all the minute details, but you'll get a good understanding of it today. Next week, what do you think we'll talk about? about? Made to praise for God's glory. You're going to learn about that in verse 12, so go ahead and skip ahead if you want. Read ahead. We'll learn the gospel and so forth and so on as we go through that passage. Now, here are the definitions we need to understand this, okay? These are the truths that we have to have. I've already preached on all of these definitions except for a few of the new words plan and conformity today. The rest of them I've already talked about, predestination, sovereignty, and the foreknowledge of God. So I encourage you to go back over the notes and previous messages if you want to learn about this. Matter of fact, I've already preached two messages on the will of God already because I'll be tapping on that today and hopefully catching everybody up because I know as a pastor people miss vacation and you can't get everybody together at the same time, so I will go a little bit slower, but if you really get intrigued, especially by the will of God, I've preached on it twice, okay? Once in the first two verses, and then once in the passage we just read today, as it mentioned the mysterious will of God. We preached on it there. Today, we need to know the definition of the word plan, simple. It's the purpose set forth for action. How many of you have ever made a plan before? How many made a plan to lose some weight at the beginning of the year? How's that plan going now six months later? Do you got your beach bod? Are you ready to unveil it, gentlemen? Are we ready? Come on. How many of you have made plans but you've kept them? How many have kept some plans? How many have broke some plans? Everybody should raise their hand right now. You've made plans, you've kept them, you've broken them, okay? We can relate to that. God has a plan. He never breaks His plan. His plan comes to pass. We learned that there's that big word there, conformity. Everything is in conformity to His plan. Do you guys remember that word? Conformity. What does that mean to conform? It means to align to a plan. So if you are today wanting to lose weight and you've made a plan, you need to conform your diet to that plan. Can I get an amen? If you want to... To increase on your job sales. You need to conform your productivity to that plan. If you want to get an education, if you want to grow in your marriage, you can make plans all day long, but at some point you've got to put action to the plan by conforming behaviors so that that goal can be met. Now here are the things that we've discussed about before. I'll just review them not going into depth. Predestination is God's plan before he created everything. That's simply what it means. God doesn't exist in time the way we do, past, present, and future. God holds it in his hand as a ball, past, present, and future. Here it is. So God never creates something that he doesn't already see the end for, uh, the end of. Whatever he has created, he already knows the end of. Do you get that? And in that plan that he says, I will create, he's already got it predestined. The next thing that we have to understand is that the reason why God can do this, whether you like it or not, is he is sovereign. He's God, you're not. He's the great I am. I'm the great. I'm not. He is light. I am not. I am darkness. He is love. Without him, I am hate. With God is everything in the fullness thereof. Without God, I am empty. I am nothing. Does everybody get that? He's the big I am, and I'm the big I'm not. So God can do what he wants. You're already here. You have to deal with it. You can get mad as we start to talk about some of these tough concepts and say, it's not fair. I wish I never would have been here. That's up to you if you want. But the fact is, you're here now. You have to deal with what you got in front of you. and You have a sovereign God who created you in a world where there is good and evil, and you're going to be responsible for your choice. Can I hear an amen? And then the next definition that you need to know is foreknowledge. And that simply means he gets to do whatever he wants. He's made a plan. He's predestined it. But he knows what your free will decisions will be. Here's the best way to understand God's foreknowledge from our perspective where we deal with past, present, and future. The seventh game of the Chicago Cubs World Series last year is over. It was the Cubs, what, versus the Indians? Right? Was it the Indians? Reds. It shows you how much I know about sports. Who did they play? The Reds? I don't even know. How many times have I said the Reds? Okay, Indians. You guys are like so offended at me right now. Like you should know. You should know. But listen, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about the Sox. I don't care about the Cubs. You know what I care about? Is riding on my bike, getting a tan. That's all the exercise I need. I don't need to watch guys in tights hit a ball with a bat. But that's cool. That's cool. You guys want to do that, and I'll be better at that than you, by the way. When I go to the baseball uh, diamonds with these guys, I'm better than them, and that's okay. You guys can be the fan. I can be the player. You can watch me, okay? That's another story. You guys don't like me now. I made it so much worse on myself. I should have just kept going. But watch this. The game is over. You now can watch the game and know every play of the game because you know the game. But that doesn't mean you affect or change any of the player's actions in the game. That is very similar to God's foreknowledge of your decisions. God does know whether or not you're going to be in heaven or hell. He already knows it as a fact. There will be no empty seats in the stadium of heaven when we celebrate Jesus. No empty seats. and There will be no empty seats in hell. God already knows it. God already knew what Adam and Eve would do. God already knew what the devil would do. But he gave you the choice. So you could be sassy and be like, well if you know what I'm going to do, I'm just going to." do whatever I want then. He's going to look at you on judgment day and be like, that was stupid. I gave you a choice. You got mad at me and still lived like a prideful fool. And now you're going to hell for that. It was all your choice all along, but you knew it. I knew it, but I never made you do it. Knowing something doesn't mean you make something happen. Do you understand the difference? Just because you may know an event will happen. Like we may not have a hundred percent certainty like God does of foreknowledge, but uh, you may be quite certain that if you leave out a cookie, let's say you come over to my house and you leave out like a chocolate chip macadamia nut cookie on my countertop, you may not know 100% sure I'm going to eat that, but you may have a level of high certainty that I'm going to eat it. When I eat it, I can't blame you that I ate it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It was my choice to eat it. That's God's for now. Somebody say, make it plain. Okay, so now what we have to do is review again the components of God's will. Remember, it's revealed to Paul the mystery of God's will. Here's how we can understand God's will. God has a descriptive will, he has a permissive will, and he has a decreative will. Does anybody remember me preaching on this? Okay, five of you. The rest of you, can you pay attention this time? And those of you who weren't here, I want you to get it, okay? Here it is. God's descriptive will is that what she commands all people to do. So he says, I want you to be in this garden. That's why I made the garden. I want you to be here. What I don't want you to do is eat from that tree. Don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. But what he also has is a permissive will. He says, but I will give you a choice to what you want to do in this garden because God does not." not make robots. This takes a long time to explain. I think I spent too much time in the first service explaining it, but let me shorten it like this. God could have created robots that always did exactly what he said, but robots can't love. Robots can't have the choice to leave if they don't like where they're at. You would not know you're a robot if you were a robot because you would be a robot. Does everybody understand that? So when God created us, he made a choice to give us permissive will, something that we could do to make our own choice to be with him in that garden or to leave and and have it it our way. Okay. And the last part of his will is his decreative will, which is where God says, I'm going to do what I want to do. Here's what I've asked you to do. It's your choice whether you do it or not, but now this is what I'm going to do. I'm the boss. Once again, God could have just said, here's my descriptive will. This is what I want you to do. Here's my decreative will. You will do it. Would you know love that way? Do puppets know love? Do the remote control cars know love? No, no. So God's permissive will shows his loving nature. God is love, so when he makes man out uh, in his image in love, man has to have a choice. God had a choice whether or not to make us. God had a choice whether or not to give us dominion over creation, so that's his choice. Let me just play this out real quick so you can see it. Uh, let's go to uh, one of the points that I made in this previous message. God's descriptive will. I want everyone to obey me. How many believe God has that as his descriptive will? He's told us that. How many think there's a Bible full of things, him telling us that, like, I want you to do kind of like the things I want you to do. But how many know there's men that say, I don't want to obey God? How many have evidence of that in their own life? You knew what God wanted you to do, but you made your own choice not to do it. Was it God's fault? Let's back up one more time. You may say, it's God's fault for bringing me to the house and putting a macadamia nut there. It's God's fault for creating the garden with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So maybe he doesn't force Adam and Eve to make that decision to eat the fruit. But at least let's place blame on him for putting the tree there. But you have to go back to what I just told you. If he doesn't put the tree there, if we don't have a choice, do we even know we don't have a choice anymore. No, because now we are robots. Are we made in love now? Are we made to love and be loved now? Will we have self-identity now? No. So if you get upset with God because he gave you a choice, that's actually you proving he did the right thing by giving you a choice. Let that sink in Because you've now made your choice, I'm upset with the choice. That's only the gift of God that you had a choice. The puppet doesn't have the conversation with you. Go home and try it. I do all the little skits and plays with my children's teddy bears and stuff. We don't have where I can actually go in, but I'll hold them up top, and I'll be like this and do all that. Guess what? They say what I want them to say every time. They move where I want them to move every time. The very fact you're here having a problem is the fact that God gave you the choice to have a problem with his choices. Now, this is the one thing that I will agree with if someone wants to be sassy. Well, then I didn't ask to be created. I would rather have been just uncreated. Just don't create me. No robot, no free will. Just don't create me. That now we go back to the sovereignty of God, his choice, he's God, you're not, you're here, deal with it, okay? Does everybody get with that? You could be upset, even the suicidal person. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. They just took away flesh, entered into eternity real quick. Because God is the creator of the soul and the sustainer of it for eternity. Just sitting in your body doesn't get the game to shut off or unplug. Are you listening? So be careful not to do that. Work your life out with God for the purpose he intended it for. Because as we're going to see, all things work together for his good. He's got a plan. Come on, somebody say he's got a plan. This is not happening by accident. There's a plan. And if you can get in the plan, freely choose to get in God's plan, I promise you, you're going to like the way it turns out. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Well, let me give you a seven-point breakdown of the plan and show you some some helpful slides. Here's the seven-point breakdown. Go back and study once again on your own, but this is new information now. God's plan, here it is, create the heavens and earth for his glory. Before Genesis 1-1, God only existed in his own presence. There were no angels. There was no heaven. There were no streets of gold. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All of it at the same time. He created heavens, a throne. He created angels. He created seraphim and cherubim. Remember, angels don't have wings. Seraphim and cherubim do. Michael, uh, Gabriel, Lucifer is a fallen angel. They don't have wings. They they look like us. They come and walk among us. Uh, Genesis chapter 18, it's the seraphim and cherubim that are flying around. And by the way, there are no naked baby angels. Angels in heaven. Just want to let everybody know that. Why do old people have that in their bathrooms? I don't know. Little naked baby angel floating around have no idea where that came from, but let's leave that alone in this generation. Amen? Uh, The next thing is that he makes us specifically in his image to bear his character for his glory. The imago Dei in Latin, the image of God. You are made for the glory of God. These are those things you get now that the animal doesn't. An animal may have thoughts and feelings, but they don't think about their feelings or think about their thoughts. Have you ever thought about why you think or what you're thinking about or why you have the feelings you do? That's called introspection. Those are the gifts that God gave you in his image, and that was for his glory, and one of them was choice. God gave you a choice to serve him. Out of love, he gave us the choice. Did we make a good choice in the garden? Everybody look up at me, please. In the garden, here's a tree of life. Eat it. All you'll know is good. Here's another tree of good and evil, and now you'll have to discern for all of your life between good and evil, good and evil. Which one did we pick from, the tree of everlasting life or good and evil? Okay, now that we have the world of good and evil, how often do you think people are choosing good? Not very often. We see a lot of evil in this world. And this is where we say before, people are like, why doesn't God just get rid of all the evil then? Okay, let's start with you. You got evil, get rid of you then. See, God dealt with evil on the cross when he dealt with the human heart. Evil came into the world through humans. Humans have to die and pay the penalty, or a human can die on their behalf. But here's the deal. The human who dies, the substitute, has to be perfect. But here's the problem. We're all born in sin. Who's going to do it? One born of a virgin. Mystery. You're in the Old Testament hearing that. You don't understand that. A child's going to be born from a virgin. You think you would have got that in the Old Testament? Everybody was scratching their head, going, I don't know about that, man. That sounds like a story a girl made up to not get in trouble with their parents. I don't know how I got pregnant. It just happened. I'm pregnant, but I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin, Papi. I'm a virgin. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Something happened here. Well, born of a virgin, perfect man dies for fallen men. The exchange. Do you see it? Everybody, do you see it? The exchange. Number four, humanity's bad choices work for God's ultimate good. Remember, he never created Adam and Eve unless he knew the last of Adam and Eve's sons and daughters that would be brought into the kingdom. In other words, he never created the human race unless he knew the last of the human race and everything in between. And so when he created it, he said, this is good, I'm good with this, let's go. It doesn't mean he's good with evil, it's just saying, I'm good with the plan, working out, where they get a choice, and evil's here, but through that evil, they'll get to know me, and I will show them that there's good out of every evil thing that comes in their life. I still win, is what he's saying. Uh, Number five is that he's going to personally redeem us by becoming a human. So now listen, everybody get this here. If you think that it's unfair that you have to deal with evil because God put you here and adam and eve made a bad choice you don't understand jesus in the cross here is jesus in the cross taking all of your evil the father even turns his back on him and it turns pitch black at 3 p.m in the afternoon second corinthians five twenty one says he who knew no sin talking about jesus became sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god now here's the deal God has suffered through Jesus more than any of us have suffered. So who paid the highest price for this plan? And it's going to get real, so track with me and I Don't take this lightly. We had a girl testify uh, uh, four weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago rather, about being molested for five years by her stepfather. Disgusting, evil, wicked. Who felt that pain? Jesus felt that pain with her. But not only her pain, Jesus felt the pain of every Holocaust victim in Auschwitz. Jesus felt the pain of every one of the victims of rape that's happening right now in the Middle East. Jesus has felt every pain and evil that you have felt. Now watch this. Your life is this much uh, of a span, and so you can handle this much of evil. How much of God's life was on the cross? This much? The eternal Son of God was there. How much evil was put upon him? One life? two lives three lives six li- how many how much evil was placed upon him all evil and he said i'm still good with that plan i'm good with the plan where they face this much evil i face this much evil but they get to know me they get to love me through the pain through the pain Once again, you're not a robot, and you didn't have a choice to remain unexisted. You're here now, and God says, it's still a good plan. It is still a good plan. You better believe that. And I'm going to get sassy in just a little bit, so hang in with me. This is the easy part. It's going to get a little bit harder, but you have to hear that. That's the scripture. And he first establishes the kingdom in our hearts and then upon the earth. What happens in our hearts? Evil gets dealt with here. What happens when he comes riding on the white horse? Evil gets dealt with in the land. So once again, let's get rid of evil. Okay, start with you. Not going to hell, but start with you getting born again. There's the answer to evil right now. What's the answer to the evil of ISIS getting born again? What's the answer to the evil of Donald Trump? Come on, you love this. What's the answer? Getting born again. What's the, what's the answer to the evil of Hillary Clinton getting born again? What's the answer to the evil gangbanger getting born again? Heaven comes here first takes away all of our evil here first. And some people may be like, I wish he would just come and judge us all. Well, what if he would have judged us two weeks ago? Would you have made it in? The Bible says he is not slow in keeping his promises of judgment, 2,000 years since the cross, but he is patient, wishing all to come in. So at some point, he said, this is the end of human history, and he wants that many people in. If he would have did it just in the, the days of the disciples who kept asking, when are you coming? And then when one nation, I mean, one city didn't listen, they said, let's call down fire. Like, whoosh. you know how many people would have been in the kingdom of God if Peter would have had his way? Like, what, 50? The kingdom of God would have been like 50 people. Like here I am all by myself in the land of Australia, ruling and reigning with Christ. Hello, hello. You know, just you and the you and whatever, you know, like the kangaroos. No, God is allowing human history to increase that the kingdom of God may increase. And though evil is increasing with it, think of it like a balloon. The kingdom of God is a balloon. The more you blow it up, the bigger it gets. And the evil could be the circumference. So as the kingdom of God gets bigger, the evil keeps getting bigger, the kingdom of God's getting bigger. But one day, he ends it, and he says, now this is it, once and for all, casting everyone who didn't want his kingdom into the lake of fire. Are you going to be in the kingdom of God or the lake of fire? choose the kingdom of God amen cuz that's the ultimate plan the recreation of heaven and earth he gets exactly what he set out to do so that was my seven points go back and study it let me reduce it down to some now simple pictures here's four points this is like the Sunday school version and it is a ok if this is where you start if you didn't get me on the uh, on the four uh, on the seven points of God's plan get the four points God creates us we fall He restores us, uh, he redeems us, and he's going to restore us. Everybody say, man, isn't that good? Teach this to your children. And trust me, I go back to Sunday school stuff quite often. Here's one that I really like, has all C's, and it starts with creation, then goes to corruption. That's the fall of Adam and Eve. Then it ha- then comes catastrophe, the flood of Noah, confusion at the Tower of Babel. Remember, we were separated at the Tower of Babel by our languages, not our skin, eye design, color, whatever. There's only one race, the human race. We just have different melanin and shapes of our eyes and, and, and our bodies. Bodies, but there's one human race, the race of Adam and Eve. Amen? Can I hear an amen to that? Unless you believe in multiple races, you know, I'm a different race than you. Well, what, human ra- what are you other than a human race, you know? Because we've let people talk us into this kind of mindset of evolution that there's different kinds of humans, like there's different kinds of animals. Well, if that's true, then then the aborigines ought to be treated as animals then, right? And then you ought to be able to own somebody you're smarter than. They could be your slave. Hello, that's where it came from, by the way. Evolution impacted the church in a negative way, and that's why supposed Christians owned, slaves and treated people like that. There's, uh, from the Australian aborigines, there's people right now that they, they captured and put into the Smithsonian Institute because they thought they were the missing link. But all they were was a different melanin, a color of their skin, different shape of the eye, the forehead, whatever. And we treated them like they were missing links. See, that's the stupidity of evolution. You're not an animal. You're a human being. All of us are made in the image of God, and we are just in different cultures. Okay? Amen. One race, the human race. Then Christ comes, dies. A Christ comes in the flesh, and he dies on the cross, and now at the consummation, all, all things come together. Look at it again. Creation, corruption, catastrophe, confusion, Christ, cross, consummation. Here's a cool way to look at it cross is restored in the, uh, excuse me, creation is restored in the consummation. We come back to the garden. We come back to the perfect earth. The corruption is restored in the cross. Jesus dies in our place so that we can live forever. The catastrophe of the flood, as crazy and as as, as global as an impact as that was, Jesus coming in the flesh is of a greater uh, event. And then we could even say the confusion that we faced here is restored in the kingdom where every nation, tribe, and tongue is a part of the new humanity, the God kind of race, the God kingdom, and lives with him forever. Amen? Now, here's where it goes deep. Again, everybody go, ooh. Here's where it goes deep into my chart that I made for you. Remember today's verse. Today's verse, Ephesians 1.11. You and I were predestined. Everybody say predestined. According to the plan of him who works out everything. How many things does he work out? everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now, this is where it may come off sassy, and I don't mean to do this in any way, but I've got to get real with you. If you don't see yourself smack dab right here in God's plan, having the will of God being performed in your life, then you are hopeless. It's not like you have another option. It is either the abuse you felt in life. Now'll just take the, the worst situation, burying a child, the innocent being abused, Holocaust, Auschwitz. OK. We either say it's father-filtered and works together for his good according to the purpose of his will. That's his plan, or we are miserable friends. That means after Hitler killed all those people, killed himself, over. There is no justice served on him now. If there is no God that's in control of this, then he won. All the pain you have ever felt gets left unchecked. It is unchecked. The people die. The body turns to dust. No soul and spirit. And all the hope you have for your children, my friends, will evaporate in time. You don't even, you can drive by a, a gravesite right here and you won't even know the names of those people. Most of you don't even know the name of your great, great grandparent. You will be forgotten by your family in a hundred years. Do you understand what the other option is? But now listen to this that person was abused because humanity made a choice against God and now innocent suffer, I have an answer. God is using this person's evil for his good. And now you may say, now listen, I know it's a hand clapping time, but I want to be real with some of you because you may now say, how dare God put me in that situation? But now watch. Now watch. If there is no God, there is no mercy for you. There is no help. And your abuser wins because there is no justice. All they have to do is take their life. Now watch. If there is a God, and I believe there is, then this frames something in your life. It sends you a message. It conforms a thought in your head. As disgusting, as despicable as it was, it produces a truth in you. And what is that truth? Sin hurts. Sin hurts are you listening to me and now what does that abuse become an arrow pointing towards god Because if there's sin, that means there's good. If there's evil, that means there's good. Are you listening? If there's a devil, that means there's God. If there is this that hurts, and I know it hurts, and it doesn't feel natural to me like an animal, I am not conditioned to it. I understand it's uncomfortable. It's like a wool sweater today in the heat of the day. I don't like evil. Then I must be made for something else. And it doesn't come from this man. It comes from the one who made this spirit. Hello, are you tracking with me now? And now watch. I want everybody to see this. Because here we are, and all of us have different stories, and we look at our life, and it's like a tapestry of these events that happen in our lives, and we're here and on earth suffering through it, and God never calls it good. God says he works all things for good. He never calls the evil good. Never. It's always evil. Look at the cross, see how serious he takes evil, then look at hell and see where evil goes. Hello? Hitler doesn't win in this scenario. The abuser doesn't win. Every tear you have ever shed because of your pain is held in his hand. And if there is no God, there is no comfort. Get that in your heart. So there is a God. He wants to comfort. You know evil does not feel right here. Something is wrong. The sky is beautiful. The sunsets are beautiful. But yet there is pain here. There's abuse here. Love feels great, but people break your heart. You love children, children rebel. Something doesn't feel right, right? And now you look at your life from Auschwitz to the parent who buries their dead child or sick child to the one that was abused. Here's our life in all of these events. And we look at it from this way and we go, God, where are you? I don't see you, I don't sense you. All I feel is pain, all I feel is letdown. And God is saying, come this way, come look at it from my perspective. And when we see it from the plan of God, everything here that was evil and done against us, everything that was unfair on the other side of eternity pulls together the picture of God's grace, the picture of the cross, the picture of everything he was doing. And I want you to listen to this. Everybody listen to this. Because I've buried my sister. And I have died drinking and driving. And I lost my nephew in Afghanistan to a war against people who have no conscience anymore. Are you listening? And you and I have suffered together as a church we have buried loved ones here we have gone through it but I want you to listen to me there will be nobody on that day when this plan is fully revealed when we are standing here that we will shake our fist at God as a matter of fact every one of us will fall to our knees and say bravo king of kings I would do it again Why would we say we would do it again? Why would we go through the most torturous situation? I wear this to remind me of the underground church right now. There are concentration camps right now in North Korea. They are being tortured there even right now. You know, I've mentioned before ISIS being tortured. Why would somebody abuse, say, I'll go through it again? Because they know if I had a choice between never knowing this God or knowing this God through evil, knowing how great and glorious he is, I'll choose knowing God every time. I'll choose knowing God every time. If God's plan was, humanity will know evil, but they will know me, I trust Him that on that day I will agree with Him. I'll understand 80 years of pain, I'll understand years of abuse. I will understand letdowns. I will understand it all perfectly there because I will see him. And then it's just the same thing we just went through. I'll go, well, he could have made me as a robot, but I would never see him the way I do now, I would never feel the love that I have now. I would never have eternity to appreciate him as I do now. Come on, somebody. And then I could say to myself, well, he could maybe never have existed. I could have never existed. But I'll say, no, that would have been miserable. I'm so glad I get to exist in his sovereign plan, predestined for me to bring him glory. That's where we're at today. You are smack dab right here in the middle. Now, this is your choice. In closing, everybody track with me here. This is your choice now. You get to decide how you take the arrows of life. When you're abused, when you're hurt, and no one has promised that the worst is behind us. Uh, no offense to my neighbors, but for some reason, they can't remember which house belongs to them. We have about five of them that share one house, and they always hang out in the front and smoke cigarettes, and they continually walk up to my door thinking it's their house, okay, because they're delivery men that work in a business. It's not convenient, but I love them and treat them nicely, right? The other day, they walked right into my house because the door was unlocked. What if I wouldn't have been there? What if they would have wanted to do something to my wife and kids, Am I any different than the ones that it's already happened to when people have done wicked things? But I would stand before you here today. Why? Because every arrow, everything that happens in our life, we need to look at as an arrow pointing us right back to God. Right back to God. Everything. I didn't get to choose my life. I didn't get to choose how this thing would play out, but I get to choose what my response is going to be. I get to choose how I react to a world of fallen creatures. Now, understand the misery of hell. In closing, get this. The misery of hell is this. You suffer evil on earth. You suffer it. You endure it. And you shake your hand, your fist at the God who died for it. And now in eternity, you get exactly what you want in existence without him. Many theologians believe that no matter where you would have put Judas in human history, almost like you would see this as a fictional story, that no matter where you would put a Judas or a betrayer or an unbeliever in human history, they would always betray God. Because so many people say, well, if I wasn't in this situation, it would be easier for me to believe God. Okay, so what's your situation? Well, I was abused as a child, and now I don't understand how God could love me. But why is it though? I, those I see in this church were abused, and yet they use that to drive them to God, to drive them? to the Lord. But then somebody says, no, no, no. You don't understand. I lost a child. I buried a child. Yeah, but why is it those I know who have buried children have said the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Why is it I've seen people say, well, the world is so wicked. The world is so wicked. Why is it I'm hearing stories right now from the Muslims having dreams and visions of Jesus converted Because they see the hope that he brings. You see, the very thing that you're saying is pushing you away from God isn't the reason you're away from God. The very thing that makes you away from God, it's not your life circumstances, but your attitude in the midst of it. Whether or not you will be prideful, because I've watched suburban kids in my Fort Wayne neighborhood commit suicide because a girlfriend broke up with them, and I've heard about people jumping off of Wall Street buildings. You see, it doesn't matter how or big or the, the, the measure of the problem is how you look at it when you're going through it. Because if you look at this world, the relationships you have as your idol, if I make my wife my idol, she will never give me what God gives me. And I will find hopelessness at the bottom of her heart. Because her love has an end. If I make my children an idol, and when they hurt me or abuse me or rebel against me, I will see they cannot do what God does for me. God is the only one that has an endless love, an infinite love. Now, he gives us these great relationships, and he gives us a chance to live our life and to trust him. And so here's what I want to say to all of us. You can see all of these things as reasons to get out of Dodge and try to run away from God, but then don't complain, you're in hell because that's where God's not. Or you can use every terrible thing that brought Jesus to the cross, have him weep and die for you, and literally say to you, before he leaves, he speaks to all of us. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. <laughs> Amen. And you could take that, and you could have all of the world's worst situations, which I hear them all the time, and you can use them all as motivation and as arrows pointing you to God, pointing you to God, pointing you to God pointing you to the love of the Father, pointing you to a plan that is bigger than the pain because with God, there's a purpose for the pain. And it's to show us that he is good and evil is bad. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus as we stand up today. Praise God. Are you glad you came to church? Amen. Would you put up the final point, please, as the band and altar workers come? I'm so glad you joined us today. How many are going to stay smack dab in the plan of God? Amen. You're just going to stay right there and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to serve you. You know what? In his plan, you, you will either serve the purpose of showing him, of showing the world how great his redemption and his power is, or how great his judgment is. How many want to show the world how great his redemption is? The plan of God, just get it today, guys, and please go back and study the notes in your scriptures. It's not the gift of the preacher that makes this so powerful, it's the word of God. It's 2,000 years ago, God is speaking through a man named Paul. While he's where? Is Paul at the spa? Is Paul writing this from Disney World? Paul is writing this from jail. And he's saying, all things are working good here. What, is the jail good? No, no, I'm not saying the jail is good. Well, I'm, well are you saying that the, the situation? No, 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 I'm not saying these things are good. I'm just saying God's plan is good in the midst of the bad. Isn't that amazing? Imagine being his prison warden if you were a Roman soldier and this guy's writing scriptures of the Bible about how good God is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has seated us in the heavenly realms with Jesus. By the way, Roman soldier, you got my body here, but my soul's in heaven. Come on. What would it be like? So here's the deal. The plan of God was always, from beginning, he wouldn't have started it unless he saw the end and goes, this is good. I'm going to work through this. The plan of God was to always have a people that were made in his image who would freely choose to love God and to serve him. Does that make better sense of what you're going through today? I hope it does. That's, I mean, I'll just say a few more scriptures. That's why the Bible says there's nothing that you face that he won't make a way of escape out of that you can't handle because he's already seen the end of it. The Bible said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says that he's with you always. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, especially maturing over these 20 years, these things give me so much hope because when evil comes in, what's the first feeling we get? It's like God's left us. I'm all alone. Like scary stuff is happening. I'm getting scary thoughts. And at that moment, God is saying, I'm using this to have you come closer to me. And every time, and I know I haven't gone through half as much as some of you here have, Please get to know people in life groups. You will be blown away by testimonies. I just just say that. Please get to know people in life groups. But all of us, we all point to the same things in our life that were like this could have destroyed me. This could have made me, you know, want to quit or whatever, but it actually worked towards bringing me closer to God. The worst situations. Even the Holocaust. Let me just say this cuz you know I got to close at some point today, but the Holocaust, you know what it did? is it made the world feel compassion for God's people for the first time in human history. And the West sided with them, and they got back their land that they hadn't had in 1,800 years. That was a fulfillment of prophecy. You say, man, that's crazy. had to go through the Holocaust. Well, you know what? God has a plan for those who suffered. And I don't think God takes that lightly. Every Nazi German soldier in my worldview gets punished for every wicked thing he does. And every faithful Jew who trusted in Jesus is in heaven right now. But the plan of the earth, what did that show us? What did Hitler show us? That the devil hates God's people. Out of all the people you want to do that to, you do that to the Jews. Why? See, God hates God. It it, it served as a big marker for the rest of us, didn't it? And some of you didn't even know that was a prophecy. That was a 1,800-year-old prophecy that God was showing to us. He's got it all under control. Amen? Let's pray in closing. Father, we thank you today for bringing us here. May we trust you with our lives. Surrender our arguments and questions to your character and trust you. 30 seconds before we go, biggest pains of your life. Will you surrender them to God right now and say, God, I still trust you that you will turn this situation for good. Come on, surrender it. The loss of a loved one, the abuse of someone in your life, that someone that you loved, abused you, whatever. Just come on, surrender. Say, God, I trust you. It's evil, it's not good. I know you'll judge it, and it will work for my good. I trust you. I trust you in the pain. My pain has purpose. My pain has purpose, and it draws me closer to you. C.S. Lewis said it like this as you're praying. In the times of pleasure, the voice of God is a whisper. In the times of pain, it comes as a megaphone. Hear God in the pain. Hear God through this world. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. His rod and staff are with us, and they will comfort us. We just sent off one of our dear sisters in the church to go to basic. One of our master sergeants who used to be uh, an elder in this church is now being sent off to Afghanistan. We have a Navy soldier here. We are mounting up against some, some, some terrorists to go back and fight them again. But listen to me. We pray for them that out of the evil, good will come. There's a time for war and peace. Come on, people. you got to see a big picture here today. What are you facing? It may seem so small, insignificant, but God cares. You can cry with God. You can be honest with God. You can be even frustrated, you know, with the situation and come to God and go, God, this just stinks. I'm, I'm just so mad I'm in this situation. How could they do this? I'm so upset. You know, let somebody do my children wrong and you'll see a pastor upset. Come on. But what do we do with our anger? Act like the devil now? No, we go to God. God, give me your wisdom. Give me your ability. Help me to do this the right way. Fifteen seconds. I know I'm being long today, but I hope that it means something to somebody. These are the big questions of life. God didn't say they had to remain as mysteries. You could discover the truth of them. You may not piece it all together today, but you got more pieces than you did when you first came here. He's a good God. He's taking care of you in the midst of this and we trust Him. If you believe it, can I hear an amen one more time? Give it up for Jesus. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, get your life in the plan of God. You are dismissed. Have a great week. We have prayer workers if you would like to pray or worship. Thank you for coming. Enjoy the day. Come on up if you need prayer. Anybody want to worship? This is the after party. How many believe that you got rivers in the midst of a desert today? How many believe you got Jesus flowing through you today? Nothing can separate us from His love. Sing it out! Nothing can separate us from Your love. Nothing can separate us from Your. Love. Nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us. We're going to sing this again. But if you're here today and you want someone to love on you, to pray for you, no matter what you're going through, would you come up? Or if you just want the blessing of God in your life, you want someone to help pray that you'll have wisdom with what you're going through. We're going to keep singing, but I want to make you aware. That there are people here to love you and pray with you. You are not alone. And chances are there's people here who have gone through similar things. Maybe not the exact same thing. But similar things. Let's sing it a few more times. Worship and praise. Come on, we saints. Nothing. nothing can separate no matter what I go through. Nothing can separate love. me from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from your love. Say nothing. Separate us from Your love. Say that we can separate us. Rivers, from rivers your are flowing head. through us today. See rivers flow through, through me. me. These rivers are flowing See through, rivers through us. Rivers flow through me. me. See rivers flow flows through me. Come on, let's take it down and sing out, hope flows through me. We say, hope flows through me. Hope flows through us today. Hope Hope flows through me. Hope flows through me. Jesus flows through me Jesus flows How about this Peace flows through me Sing it out Peace flows through me The Holy Spirit is here Peace flows through me Peace flows through me, flows through me. Jesus flows through me those who are praying keep praying but i want to tell you a story right now about the underground church and like i said nothing touches my heart more than those christians who suffer innocently around the world as these people do where there was a story about which richard Warmbrand. he was during the time of communism in romania he was a pastor there they arrested him they took in all the pastors. They began to torture them and try to get them to deny their faith. They noticed that they would preach to each other. And what would happen was they would hear them preaching and so they started to say, you know what, we got to stop them even talking to each other. So whenever they would talk about Jesus, they would take one of the leaders out who was talking in the prison cell, beat him to an inch of his life, and then put him back in. And this is what Richard Walmbrandt said. They beat we preached. They loved to beat us. We loved to preach. He would say that oftentimes a brother would be preaching. They would come in, beat him within an inch of his life, put him back in the cell, and this is what the brother would say. Now, brothers, where did I leave off? That's a true story. That is a true story. Tortured for Christ, you can get it free at Voice of the Martyrs. That is a true story. They would come back in many times and they would say, Brothers, where did I leave off? And I want us to see all of our lives that way. The devil, the devil loves to beat. The enemy loves to torture. The the devil loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And like all of us are like Job. We have a certain amount of time he's allowed to do it. But I want to challenge you, no matter what you're going through, you just come out of that situation going, Where did I leave off? Where did I leave off? Because I ain't quitting. I'm not turning my back on God. Where did I leave off before all this mess came? Because I will continue moving forward. I will continue serving Jesus in the midst of evil. One more time rivers, rivers. Flow Come on. Do you believe that today there's the Holy Spirit on the inside? Flowing rivers. Come on. Oh, Jesus said, I've come to give you life, life in abundance. Flow oh, Jesus me. flows through me. And Jesus Let's sing it one more time before we go, but this time love me. flows through me. says love flows through me. Jesus amen give it up for Jesus one more time if you got Jesus amen after party keep hanging out we're going to put on some worship in the screen just enjoy today share the love with somebody can separate you from his love nothing, man nothing nothing everything is father